0: Hey, everybody. This is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. I am so glad that you're joining us, and I hope this has been an amazing series as we've been talking about how do we develop our faith? How do we grow deeper? How do we become more like Christ in everything that we do. Uh, we're going to talk now about the future, and by doing that, we're going to talk about today. I know that seems a little crazy, but it'll make sense in just a moment. But I want to preface the message, um, and as well as as we get ready to re-enter, if you will, regather. And I hate to use that word, and you'll understand in a moment. But I want to say this: that that COVID didn't change us. If it did. I think that's why we need to hear this message. Because I don't believe that COVID changed us. I believe that COVID exposed us. See, my Bible says that we're to build our lives on the rock, right? Right. Mm -hmm. So when the rains descend and the wind blows and COVIDs happen, we aren't moved. We don't change because COVIDs happen. And I think in those moments, God allows them because it exposes us. We get to see what we really are made of and what we lean on and where our faith really resides. And so I want you to know the last five months of my life have been incredible. I don't know if I've grown more as the pastor of this church than any other time than in the last five months. And I think the same should be said about all of us COVID's happened. And so, It's important that we understand that as we now get ready to re-enter, because I've learned a lot, I have to be honest. And some of those things um, uh, I would say I wish I didn't have to learn. And that as a pastor, I I think exposed to the church I pastor in some negative ways, in some very revealing ways. Um, I I have to be honest that I've seen a lot of selfishness. I've heard a lot of people, uh, if you will, experience anger and, and fear And yet the Bible says what? His perfect love overcomes all fear. I mean, we have nothing to fear when we have God. Greater is He that is supposed to be within us, right? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And so with all that being said, um, when we reopen the doors, we're actually not reopening like where we've been. We're actually opening the doors for the first time. I'm treating our church like it's the first weekend of a church plant and we're getting ready to launch. Because it's time to go in a different direction. It's time for us to really, if you will, unpack what it means to be a child of the King. What it means to be God's living and breathing, uh, filled with hope, church. And so I'm very, very excited about that. But I want you to get this, that as we open the doors, we're not looking at what it means to gather. We're looking at about what it means to be sent. That's what the church is to be. And we're going to spend a lot of time talking about that and unpacking it. And I think, uh, if you will, this weekend's message will really, really help with that. And so we're going to look at how do we live today, if you will. And with that, how do we choose then to live tomorrow? Because it's all about right now and where we're going. And what does that mean to really live like Christ Not be complacent, not be uh, convenient, not be comfortable, because none of those words are in the Bible, but what it means to be convicted, to be committed, what it means to be together in covenant, and to live today the way God created today, and with that being said, to live that way tomorrow. You with me on this? Now, let me just say these words. These are from Phillips Brooks. Now, you probably don't know who that is, but you do know a Christmas song that he wrote. And that song is, Oh, Little Town of Bethlehem. Here's what he says. Sad will be the day for any man when he becomes contented with the life he is living, with the thoughts he is thinking, and the deeds he is doing because forever beating at the doors of his soul is some great desire to do something larger, which he knows that he was meant and made to do. Let me just say them again. Sad will be the day for any person when they become contented with the life they're living, with the thoughts they are thinking and the deeds that they're doing, because forever beating At the very door of their soul is some great desire to do something greater, something larger, which they know they were meant and they should and were made to do. Amen to that?
2: Amen. Amen.
0: Listen to this. When you and I give our lives to Jesus, here's what I believe He put a brand new desire in our life. The old is truly gone. When we give our life to Christ, he puts a new desire, and you know what that desire is? It has eternity all over it. That's that something larger that Brooks is talking about, something greater, that we would give our life to that. That's what the Bible says in John 14, 15, and 16, the role of the Holy Spirit. He's going to teach us all things. He's going to give us all new things. He's not going to forsake us. He's going to show us everything that he has before us. I mean, that excites me, doesn't it, you? That's what it means to be a Christian. So let me just say this. Salvation was never meant to be an insurance policy. Salvation was to be our new way of living. And I think there's a lot of people in the church, it's kind of like a check mark. Oh, got that done. Okay, got the policy covered. Let me just tell you, when you really give your life to Jesus, your old way no longer is to exist. Like you, Why would you even wanna go there? There's something beautifully transforming in our lives and something new. See, that's why I read the Bible. I wanna know more about this God who loves me and this incredible life that I can live. And that's the church we're gonna be when we start talking about what it means to be sent rather than to gather. And I'm excited about that, I'm excited. I think you'll appreciate this. A teacher asked her students, can people predict the future with cards? One little boy raised his hand and said, my mom can. And the teacher said, well, how does she do that? And the boy said, well, she takes one look at my report card and then tells me what will happen when my father gets home. (laughs) Now, what do you think about that, when you look at the report card of your heart, when Father gets us home, what will be our future? Because that's a very real day that's going to happen. How we're living now has everything to do with where we're going to live forever. It is a big deal. Faith without works is dead. That's what James says. So if you got your bibles and want you go to James chapter 4, James chapter 4. This good stuff. Yes. yes. All right. I'm ready to unpack this one people. James chapter 4. And as you're going there, James is going to talk about how you and I should face our future. He's going to talk about how we are to establish our lives the way God intended them to be established. And if there's one thing that I believe that needs to change in God's church, in our world today, it's how we live right now and how we set our sights on tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I believe it with all all my heart. In fact, I'd say it this way. Your today has everything to do with how you see tomorrow. See, I believe there's a heaven. I believe there's a hell. And because I am committed to heaven, it changes how I live today. And I'm sad to say this, but I think there's a lot of Christians. I'm not sure there's so much Christian. Because they say there's a heaven, but they live like hell. It just doesn't make sense. There shouldn't be any division in the church. There shouldn't be any backbiting in God's church. There shouldn't be any judgment going on in God's church. There should be no selfishness. There should be no gossip in God's church. If we really believe there's a heaven, then it should be about unity, about love, about grace, about compassion. Should it not? Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. And so James is going to help us with this. So James chapter four, I'm going to begin in the 13th verse. Here's what it says. Look here. You who say, today or tomorrow, we are going to a certain town and we will stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while and then it's gone. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, you are boasting about your own pretentious plans and all such boasting is evil. Remember, it is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. Those are powerful words. Powerful words. Now, here's what James is going to do. James is going to give us three common mistakes that Christians make when it comes to living. He's gonna give us three common mistakes. Here's the first one, first common mistake. Planning without God. The first common mistake that I see that Christians do when they think about how to live today and to look to the future is they plan without God. Now, here's what James is doing, and I'm going to play in this a little bit. He's illustrating a conversation between two businessmen. So picture this, okay? One guy has his MBA from the University of Jerusalem, okay? All right, okay? The other guy uh, is the CEO of a Tel Aviv Fortune 500 company, okay? And, and that, at least that's the way I see it. You all with me here? Yeah. Okay, so notice the conversation in verse 13. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow... We will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Now, imagine these two entrepreneurs, okay? These are go-getters, okay? They're making plans, right? They tell us when, today or tomorrow. They tell us where, this city or that city. They tell us how long we'll spend a year there. They tell us what they're going to do. We're going to carry on business. And they're going to say, why? To make money. We're going to make a profit.
1: Hmm.
0: Now, I don't want you to miss this. These are all good things. These are all great things. In fact, you know what the Bible says? This is Jesus speaking. No man goes out and builds a house without first considering how much it's going to cost. In fact, if you read the book of Proverbs over and over, the Bible says this, that if you don't make plans, you're a fool. Mm -hmm. So this is great stuff. These are good entrepreneur, businessmen that every one of us should learn to do. Here's the problem, though. There's not one mention of God in their entire plan. That's right. Notice the verse again. Look here, you who say, today or tomorrow we are going to a certain town and we'll stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. God's name is nowhere even mentioned nowhere. They knew what they wanted. They knew how to get it. They just didn't check in the front desk first, if you know what I mean. Listen to the words of Pastor Greg Laurie. There are people who will speak of their faith in God and claim to be followers of Jesus, but in the way they conduct their day-to-day business, there's no thought whatsoever of the will plan or purpose of God watch what he says thus they become practically atheist Mm. and I think if I could play on an oxymoronic two words there are too many atheistic Christians in the church today Right. there's a way that seems right to a man and the end is always death that's amazing Proverbs 16.1 says, we may make our plans, but God has the last word. God has the last word. Yeah. Hey, can we all agree? You know what breaks my heart, and I'll bet it breaks your heart, when you meet someone who says, there's no God. Does that break your heart? Sure. Mm-hmm. sure. Can I tell you what breaks my heart more? People who say they believe in God, but live like He doesn't exist. That's the one that breaks my heart more. So let me get personal. Does God have a say in your business dealings? Does God have a say in your life plans? See, I know people who say that you got to keep God and business separate. And I want you to understand as a pastor and as a man of God, I couldn't disagree more with you. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. If you're a Christian, all your business is God's business. Whatever it is, there's nothing separate. So here's what James says. Here's the common mistake. Here's the answer to the common mistake include God in everything. In everything you do, whatever you're planning, include God. Even if it's a vacation, include God in everything. Here's what James says, verse 15. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. That's what you ought to say. None of us know what's going to happen today, let alone tomorrow. Is that true? Mm -hmm. That's why we always start with God. God. By the way, you all know I'm a big Disney fan, and I thought this will set up our conversation here. There's a part in the Magic Kingdom, okay? It's called Fantasyland. Do you know why it's called Fantasyland? It's all about tomorrow. <laughs> and you know what I think? I think there's too many Disney Christians. <laughs> you always like being in Fantasyland because you're always thinking about tomorrow that you miss today. We don't need fantasy Christians. We need faith Christians that live for today. They don't make any plan without God. Let's talk about what's going through your mind.
3: You know, a lot of people just really, like you've said it before, they only open their Bible once a week and it's on Sundays, you know, when they come to church or anything. And I've found that you need to constantly be feeding yourself, whether it's by reading the Bible or listening to something throughout the week. Like with our job, we're lucky enough to be able to listen to podcasts, listen to music, you know, and I find that, it's hard for me to talk about God with other people, but if we listen to something and there's other contractors or something, there's always somebody else around. If they hear what we're listening to, maybe that will, you know, touch them in a way or just—I don't know—I'm always thinking that um, something that we're listening to is going to affect somebody else, not just us. Yeah. Any of us who are married
2: it would understand that. If I told my wife, hey, I really love you, I'm committed to you, everything else, and, uh, and I'll see you on Sunday at 10 o'clock, uh, but at noon, I have to leave, and then I won't see you till Sunday again at 10 o'clock. Noon, I'll leave, and then Sunday, t- you don't call that a marriage, ever. You, especially when you don't talk to them during the week or include in any plans. Like, that's what makes a marriage, that's what makes a relationship. And yet, we see people do that all the time with God, all the time. You know, They ask God at the end to bless it. Oh, by the way, I'm going to do this. Now can you bless it? Uh, doesn't work that way.
0: God can't bless what he does not have. Exactly. He just can't do it. We don't make our plans and then say, here, God, bless it. Not at all. The Bible says what? I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're good plans. And In fact, it's everything we're looking for. Plans that will prosper us. But of course, we're looking for the plans that give us, if you will, financial prosperity lucrative prosperity. But whatever God's plans are, I'm just here to tell you, better to be under the bridge with God than in the penthouse without Him. Absolutely. Yes. True? Yeah. Absolutely. That's called the outhouse. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. yeah,
4: And there's a promise with it too, um, including God into your plans. Um, in Proverbs 16, there's a few verses about it, but verse three says, commit to the Lord whatever you do and your plans will succeed. So that's it's fun to watch that happen. I mean, most of the time I don't do that at first. I try to figure it all out myself, and then it doesn't work out. So then I kind of say I'm sorry for that and start over. (laughs) But recently there was one time when I did that, and then I started over the right way. And it was so fun to watch God turn it out to be way better than I ever imagined. More things happened from it than, than I could have ever done when I planned it. So it's a promise.
0: I love that promise, Karen. It's God loves our plans and your plans will succeed. Just commit them to Him and He will do exceedingly abundantly beyond anything we could ask, think, or imagine. It, it's crazy. It's just He takes it and puts it on steroids
5: and does something beautiful with it. Isn't interesting though how we we don't we don't believe that in the moment. I don't believe that I don't trust God enough that His way is best. And what is it that in a what is it that's in us that makes us say ah this I'm going to do it this way. I don't need to pray about it. I mean I'm guilty. I don't need to pray about it. You know. And uh, and then you like you'd mentioned you come full circle and it's like okay. Uh, Okay, let's try it again. Um, but it, 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 it's a real thing. And, and it's convicting me of that at countless times. But God's way is always best. He always seems to bring me back around to that point. Okay, I'm sorry, let's do it your way. Yeah. Then we win.
6: When yeah. Stefan and I first got married, um, I was a very surface believer. And he was a non-believer. And um, when we got married, our we didn't have anything, you know, God in our um, ceremony, nothing, you know, mentioned. And the first years of our marriage were very tough. Um, headed for divorce in about seven years. And... We decided to give our marriage to God. I mean, and what ha- what He's done in just the past three years in our marriage. I mean, I couldn't love this man more than I do today, because of what God has done in both of our lives.
1: God's plan is long term. I mean, He sees everything. We're short sighted. Um, I mean, it, to me, it shows our selfishness, because. Um, our selfishness, we lose or bypass the blessings of others because God had seen and has seen and will see everyone included in these blessings. So it's not just for our selfish benefit. And our selfish benefit is usually something we see for just that short period of time. Like, okay, well, in a year, this is what I'm trying to get out of these plans that I'm doing. Well, God's thinking of your whole life. He's not thinking of a year or five years or ten years. He's thinking about everyone involved in your life, your relationships, your family, your kids, your, your parents, your brothers, your sisters, everything. And so we should think of ourselves as brothers and sisters in Christ and help each other and not just think of our selfish gain, but think of what is God's plan in our lives.
0: But here's the second common mistake that James gives us when it comes, if you will, thinking about the future and living today, assuming there is a tomorrow. The first one is we make a plan without God. Well, now we assume there is a tomorrow. I I can tell you this. I've buried enough people to know this is very real. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. How many times have I heard people filled with regret... Oh, I wished I would have said this. Oh, I regret doing this. Look what James says in verses 14 through 16. You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. None of us do. What is your life, he says. You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. As it is, you boast and brag. All such boasting is evil. Now, there are two reasons we should never assume uh, that there's a tomorrow. Here's the first one. Life is unreliable. Isn't it true? Life is unreliable. You can't count on it. None of us can count on it. James tells us, you don't even know. You don't even know. It's interesting to me. Why do we invest so much into something that does not even exist right now? Why is that? Mm-hmm. Why? Why? I, I, listen. I, I think it's it's there's a, some wisdom thinking that one day I'll retire, but that retirement could happen today. Sure. Good. And yet, how many of us like the story where Jesus talks about the rich man who builds bigger barns for what? For what? They tell us that the storage unit industry could pay off the national debt. It's just crazy, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's unreliable. But, it, but the second reason I say we should never assume, it's what we say all the time around here. It's a quick trip. I just learned that this weekend. My middle daughter's 20 and now married. And, uh, and what does James say? You are but a mist. I always like to just say, you're a butt. <laughs> you know, but. But did you know the word mist is where we get the word atmosphere the word mist here is where we get the word atmosphere. And, and in the New Living Translation, he gets it right. It's like a fog. We're like a fog that rolls out in the morning, but then the sun comes out and it burns off by midday. That's our lives. That's all we have. None of us know how long we have. And it's a quick trip even if you get the average. It goes by quick. It seems like yesterday I was a little child and my parents are now 81 years old. And any day I'm going to get a phone call that one of them's gone or both. It's a quick trip. Proverbs 27 verse one says, "'Do not boast about tomorrow, "'for you do not know what a day may bring forth.'" And yet how many people, "'Tomorrow the sun will come out.'" Well, the sun came out today, S-O-N, you know it? And yet that becomes like a theme song for so many Christians. So James gives us the answer to this common mistake. Live one day at a time. Live one day at a time. Matthew 6, verse 34. Don't be anxious about tomorrow, Jesus said. God will take care of your tomorrows. Live one day at a time. Let me quote from the book, The Greatest Salesman. Look at these words. I will live this day as if it is my last. I have but one life, and life is not but a measurement of time. Now, don't miss these words. When I waste one, I destroy the other. If I waste today, I destroy the last page of my life. Therefore, each hour of this day will I cherish, for it can never return. Each minute of this day will I grasp with both hands and fondle with love, for its value is beyond price. What dying man can purchase another breath, though he willingly gives all his gold? What price dare I place on the hours ahead? I will make them priceless. I will live this day as if it is my last. Those are awesome words. Psalm 118, verse 24 says what? This is the day, not tomorrow. This is the day the Lord has made. Finish it with me. Hallelujah. I will rejoice be and be glad in it. Could people say that about you? That today you've been rejoicing? Today you've been glad in it? Talk to me.
4: I tell you what? It's easy to get caught up in the regular, everyday I mean, I think I do every day. And I even have that verse on my phone. But I still do. And so it's always good to be reminded.
2: So many people spend so much time on things that, you've said it so often, don't last. Certainly not eternal. One of my favorite parts of the Bible was how it describes life to grass. It says it flourishes in the morning, it's cut, and then it's gone. It says, and its place remembers it no more. I love that phrase because, you know, I went back to my hometown. Uh, About a month ago, and I went by by the house I grew up in. And you know, you have certain memories, but the place is totally different. I thought, man, all the work I did mowing that yard. Man, it looks terrible. All the work that we did, it's all gone. And its place remembers it because people that live there now have no idea we lived there. Place remembers it no longer. And that so many people put so much time and effort into things that after they're gone, its place will remember it no longer. Man, instead of putting on things that are eternal and things that last.
1: That reminds me of the rat race because <clears throat> when it's like circular, circular things, we're doing all these things that are constant and they will always be the same. And so, like you were saying, mowing the, the, the grass, that's something that, yes, it would be, it's, it's temporal. I mean, it, you, you look at it and like, wow, it looks good. But, you know, later on, the mowing you did before doesn't really affect, you know, the mowing in the future. And it's, a lot of us are stuck in that rat race because we're just doing some of those circular things and not thinking about the long term. So we need to get outside of this cage. And to be honest with you, the only person that can bring this out of that is God because He has a blueprint and a map of the whole entire scheme of things. And we have to give Him control in order to run the race.
6: Like it says in the Bible, you, know, you have to choose today who you're going to serve. And if, if the devil can keep you in that rat race, God can't use you. And I mean, you, it's got to be a choice, an everyday choice, to step out of that circle and follow God's blueprint. Like you
1: put it. Sometimes people look at progressing, progression in your life and they say, "Oh, you've done good." <clears throat> I always challenge myself. There's more than I need to do. What is God trying to get me to do? And so my thing is not to 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 follow God for a moment, it's to follow God with my life. Right. And that means forever, mm-hmm. as long as I live.
6: Mm-hmm. I heard it said um, on a podcast we were listening today, actually, um, if the devil can't get in front of you and stop you, he's gonna get behind you and push you.
4: Mm-hmm. I think it's really helpful to have um, like a life group and, and people around and I know you and I meet sometimes. Mm-hmm. and just to um, just to help you make sure that you're getting back on the right track. Because mm-hmm. I've had times where I kind of just, you know, in years past, you know, stay home and take care of the kids and, and whatever, and you get kind of in this tunnel. Mm-hmm. But it's really helpful, like, when I meet with you or mm-hmm. in life group or whatever, just in even, like, just this moment right now, just always that constant reminder, you know.
5: I like to take try my best to take every day that God gives me and embrace embrace whatever it is. I try to treasure every moment I get to spend with my kids or my family or, or be here and do ministry. I, like to, I try, say it a lot, but I like to say that it's an adventure because um, I really want to try to embrace the tension or the uncomfortableness or whatever it is that God throws me um, that there's a reason for. I thought of the, the verse that you know, all things work together for the good of those who love Him, but really try to say there is something that God has an ultimate plan and, uh, and we just got to embrace it and, and make the most of the day that God gives you and know that, that there's a reason for that and, and it's good. Here's the third and final common
0: mistake that we as God's children make and that's putting off doing good. It's not just making plans without God. It's not just assuming there's a tomorrow, but it's putting off doing good, doing the right thing. Look what James says in verse 17. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it sins. Have you ever met someone who's always aiming at it and you just want to say, pull the trigger? It's always going to get it done. You should never get it done. There's an old poem I think you'll appreciate. Procrastination is my sin. It only causes me sorrow. I know I ought to change my ways. In fact, I will tomorrow. (laughs) There's a lot of truth in there. But I want you to think about what James just wrote because this is crazy amazing. We can sin by doing nothing. Yep, That's what he says. That's what the Bible says. Because we all know... There are some things we should be doing. We all know there are some things we should have done. And we choose not to. James says, You just sinned. You just sinned. And so James gives us the answer to this common mistake. Here it is do it now. Do it now. By the way, do it in love, but do it now. Proverbs 3 verses 27 through 28 says this Do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it is in your power to act. Do not say to your neighbor, Come back later, I'll give it tomorrow when you now have it with you. We can make a difference now, make it now. Because why? We don't assume there's tomorrow. You see how this all comes together? I think you might appreciate this story. In 2012, Mary and her husband Ari were expecting their first child, but Mary miscarried. As you can imagine, they were devastated. But the couple who also volunteered at a homeless shelter refused to let their heartbreak break them. Thus, in 2013, one year after the loss of their child, they would celebrate the birthdays of other children, knowing they never would get to celebrate of their own. I'm talking about the children at the homeless shelter. So they asked to use a room at the shelter, and then they filled it with streamers, gifts, and a cake, making it an incredible party. Fifteen kids showed up. Fifteen kids who they found out at the party had never had a birthday party in their life. Thus, It made it even more special. Since then, Mary and Ari have thrown a birthday bash each and every month for the last seven years. They attract each time, now around 250 kids and their parents each month. Over the years, because of what they've been doing, More people have come to help and volunteer to join them in creating these celebrations for these children and their birthdays. Of course, Mary makes sure that every child has a gift, always bringing extras just in case. Don't you love that? Mm -hmm. See, let me tell you, there's three things that you can do with your life. You can spend it, you can waste it, or you can invest it. You can spend it, you can waste it, Or you can invest it. Which one are you? Uh, Maybe better said, which one would God say is you right now? Doesn't really matter what you think. It's what God knows. You can spend it, you can waste it, or you can invest it. You know, several years ago, there was a commercial on TV by the Peace Corps. And here's what the caption was. It doesn't matter how long you live if you're not doing anything with your life. That's powerful. I think it's time for celebrate. The people of the church I pastor to do something great, to do something that matters, to do something eternal, to do something of God. And that starts right now. There's no tomorrow. I want to be the church that everything we do, when we make plans, whether it's personal or public, it's always Committing it to God. God, what do you have? What do you have? I want to be the church that never assumes there's a tomorrow. And we embrace every moment we have and make it count for God, make it count for eternity. And when we know the right thing to do, we just do it. I'll I'll tell you two personal stories. I was in a restaurant this week with my family, and uh, uh, we were down. uh, In fact, I won't even tell you the restaurant because I don't want to expose this gal. But we had spent uh, some time just sitting with family because of the gathering of my daughter's wedding and, and we were with we were about 15 people and uh, the waitress was amazing. So we asked her name. And when I was paying the bill, I simply said, uh, by the way, if you're okay, I, I'm not trying to make you feel uncomfortable. It's, is there anything I could pray for you? And she started weeping. I mean, tears uncontrollably down her cheek. And she said, uh, um, today I found out I'm in some legal trouble. You have no idea how much it means that you would ask. And so I prayed for her. And then I tipped her, uh, if you will, more than the bill. So I thought, I don't know what the legal trouble is. Some people said, well, maybe it was. See, that's what what we love to do as Christians, don't we? But here's what you're missing. I have a spirit in me that prompted me to do it at that point, I don't care what other people think, and so we create a friendship. It's amazing how that happens. Today, I was at a restaurant over the lunch hour and uh, getting ready to send my daughter off, and the waiter tapped me on the shoulder and says, "Are you a pastor?" I went, uh, "Yeah." He goes, I've never met you. He just said, um, there's just this aura about you. Like I thought you were a pastor. And I, I was like, wow. My family was, was in awe of that. And he walked away. And then he comes back and goes, maybe I do know you. And I said, okay. And he goes, would your name happen to be Keith? I went, yeah. And he goes, I, I never met you, but your church brought me and my family Christmas gifts about 15, 16 years ago, and you have no idea what that did. You're the pastor of that church, aren't you? Oh, yeah, I am. I said, you have no clue the honor you just gave me. He walked away, and my children said, isn't that crazy? Some little gesture like that And he remembers that 15, 16 years ago. It changed him that much. I want to be that church. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. Mm
0: -hmm. Everything we do, we include God. It's always a God moment you're in. That's a great thing to, to, to catch. Every moment's a God moment if you're a follower of God. Every moment, good, bad, indifferent, doesn't matter. It's all a God moment. God's doing something. And we don't think there's a tomorrow. We're going to make it count right now. And when God prompts us, we're going to respond to it. Amen to that? Amen. That's what it's about. There's a book I want you to write down that I'm asking everybody in our church to read. Many of you know that there's a book out by Francis Chan called Letters to the Church. It changed my life. Uh, There's a new one out by David Platt. It's called Something Needs to Change. It's an absolute amazing book. And I'm asking everybody in our church in the next few weeks to get that book. And read it. And read it. In the past, I've made those investments and I've given you copies. I chose not to. I want you to make the investment. And you can do it. It's worth the read. And so the third common mistake is what? Putting off doing good. We need to do it now. What's going through your minds? What's going through your hearts?
2: The first thing that popped in my head is something that happened numbers of years ago. I, I couldn't even tell you how many. And I only met the guy one time, but what he did changed my thought process forever. I was at a conference and it ran him. I'd never read before he comes up to me and I still have no idea why, except I believe it's a God thing. And he said, Here, I got something for you. I went, okay. He said, Here, hold your hand. He put a hand, he put in a, uh, a circular wooden, like a look, like a token, okay, on there. And I, I said, okay. Thank you. He says, there. You've always won it, now you have it. I'm going, what? He says, look at it. And I'm looking at it, it has four letters on it, T-U-I-T. He says, what is that? I said, to it. He says, right. He says, how many times have you ever said, I'm going to do something when I get around to it? You have around to it. Go do it. (laughs) And I went, okay. And I carried that in my pocket for years as a reminder of, well, maybe, no, do it now. Do it now. Don't wait till tomorrow. Do it until I get around to it." and, and I, that, that always stuck with me and prompted me from that point on that do it now is, is what a phrase I try to live by as often as I can that way.
4: I remember in my grandpa and grandma's house when I was young, I'd always see this plaque that said, "'Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last.'" And I've never remembered that since I was a kid and if I can just remember that every day. You know, and live, live like Christ, love like Christ, all the time, even in the store. You know, anytime, be in connection with Him every day in the Word and stuff. Because I think, as you're connected with Him every day in the Word, then you'll be able to hear the Spirit of God prompting Mm -hmm. maybe more. Mm -hmm.
5: I think it's so easy to to pass those moments up. So it's really important that we're we're in constant prayer to God about giving us being able to sense those opportunities when they come. Otherwise, I think you'll pass them up.
3: Something we just heard this week is well I've heard it before, but your spirit is always at battle with your flesh, and they both hate each other because your flesh wants you to do you know whatever feels good and whatever the world wants you to do. The spirit is obviously you know what God would want you to do, and there's that constant battle there, so you have to constantly choose to listen to the spirit and do what the spirit would want you to do. And like just random thing I can think of. Just driving around town now, there's a lot of people standing at corners. And every time I drive by one, it's like, oh, you know, if I had a couple of dollars, I'd probably give it to them. Well I never take that step to prepare for that trip because I know I'm probably gonna see a few people at the corners. You know, it's something that I need to start thinking ahead put a couple of $5 bills in my pocket or something. So when I see one, here you go. I mean, cause when you get to that point, even if you do have the money, then you start thinking, well, what are they gonna use it for? And it's like with, you know, you and that, um, that waitress, like it's not up to us, you know, it's none of our business, honestly, but if it's something that God prompts us to do, we should do it. And yeah, it's just taking that step.
6: Something I learned this week too is, um, the Greek word for the Holy Spirit is Azer, and Azer means helper. And if you're getting getting prompted by the Spirit, you're getting prompted by the helper. So you're not going into um these situations alone. You're you're being led and, and helped by the holies of holies. And i it can't go wrong.
0: I want to pray. I would ask wherever you're at that, that maybe you just even want to lift your hands to God and, and and just in an evidence, if you will, a sign to say, God's fall on me, speak, have your way. Father, I thank you so much for the power of your word. These incredible instructions from one of yours, James, a very half-brother. Of your son, Jesus. God, forgive us when we've made plans without you. Nothing's good's gonna come of just our plans. We must commit them to you always, first and foremost, whatever plans they are. Nothing too uh, insignificant, we give them all to you. God, forgive us when we assume there's a tomorrow. How many things have been put off? And more importantly, people and relationships because of the assumption of tomorrow. And then finally, God, is you prompt us in our spirit. When we know the right thing to do, we just do it. We don't want to get around to it. We get right to it because that's who you are. God, we thank you. That's the church. That's the people we want to be. We ask this in the name of Jesus, amen Amen. and amen. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you, and we believe in you. God bless.